Mask Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. Why, You're listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 101260 with your questions, comments, or smart ass remarks. Welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Crushell, and we're your weekly source for performance information. If you want to reach out to us, check out the new website, jeffcrushell.com. If you have any questions, comments, smart remarks, if you have a topic you'd like us to investigate, let us know. We've dedicated segments, even entire episodes to your ideas. Or if you're just looking for some help, you need some answers. Can't guarantee that we have the answers, but I can guarantee there's somebody in our network of experts that will get us that answer. I can pretty much guarantee it, so do not hesitate to write to us. Okay, today, a really quick start to the show because we have a lot to talk about. Listen, this might be one of the most exciting events in all of sport. It's fast. It's furious. It's intense. If you looked across the sporting landscape, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a more spectator-oriented, more enjoyable sporting environment than the NHL playoffs. This is everything sports fans are looking for. And listen, if you have never had a chance to check out the NHL playoffs, I don't care what your favorite sport is. Take some time and just check it out. I can almost guarantee satisfaction if you love sports. This has got everything. The NHL playoffs are incredibly special. And getting there is even more difficult for franchises and teams every season, but for the players that are playing. These guys have dedicated their entire lives for chasing down a shot at winning Lord Stanley's Cup. Can you imagine? So many players have never had a chance to even step onto that playoff ice. And yet here we are once again this year into the NHL playoffs. It is truly one of the most exciting events in all of sport. And while those select few players in the NHL are heading into the playoffs. The rest of the hockey world is pretty much shut down and heading into the offseason, which for me personally is the most important time of the year. Today on the show, we are going to visit with crush favorite Barry Butt, the founder of Premier Strength, to talk about the development of hockey players and the importance of the offseason. What should you be thinking about as you embark on this offseason, we're going to break it down and look at young developing players. We're going to look at those sort of middle-aged teen players who are getting serious about the game. And we're also going to talk about what we're doing with our pros. And again, we always say, if you want to find out what to do, look to the pros. There's a good chance there's something to learn there for sure. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about on the show today. But before we get to that, let's have a look at the game of hockey. The first hockey rules were implemented way back in 1875. The first Stanley Cup was awarded in 1893. If we fast forward to 1971, the first million dollar contract in the game of hockey was awarded to Bobby Orr. Not that long ago. Today, the average salary is 2.6 million. The minimum is 750,000 and Connor McDavid owns the biggest contract in the game of professional hockey at $12.5 million per year. Now, 
Television is the number one revenue source for the league without question. But the league also generates about 37% of its revenue from game attendance. And here's where a conundrum starts to develop inside of the game. The NHL has the lowest attendance of all the five major North American sports at an average of about 17,423 fans per game. The NFL is averaging about 66,000. Baseball, 28.3 thousand. Major League Soccer, 21.3. That is something that's really growing and putting a dent and a disruption into the fan base for sure. And the NBA is coming in just a little bit higher at about 17.7 thousand per game. And to add to the conundrum, the average NHL ticket comes in at $98.17 per game. Second highest in sport, only next to the NFL, which averages just over $121 per ticket. So while the game is doing quite well, they do have some issues to get more fans out to those arenas. It's got to be one of their top priorities. And I'm telling you right now, if you've ever had a chance to sit in a NHL arena during the playoffs, you'll know why you want to be there. Again, it's like nothing else. Fast and furious. You want to talk about the need for speed? Look no further. The hardest slap shot in the NHL comes in at about 175 kilometers an hour. That's 108 miles per hour that puck is flying around. The players reach top speeds of over 25 miles an hour, which is 40 kilometers. And listen, when they collide, they collide. But the fact that they move the puck so accurately and they shoot so accurately at these incredible speeds, there is so much going on per unit time in an NHL playoff game. There's nothing quite like it. So check it out, okay? I just promise you. And if you look at the bracket right now, I mean, I think the Calgary Flames and the Colorado Avalanche are the two favorites to win the Cup. But when it comes to the playoffs and the postseason, we all know anything can happen. You have to be looking at the Tampa Lightning to potentially three-peat here. They're defending back-to-back Stanley Cups, and they are definitely a force to be reckoned with. I would not underestimate the power of the Edmonton Oilers. These guys are on a mission. They've got two of the greatest players in the history of the game right now. They've got new coaching staff, and they are doing something that's just crazy as the season wound down and as they head into the playoffs. You cannot underestimate the Carolina Hurricanes or the Florida Panthers. They're both organizations with something to prove as well. And then you have to keep your eye on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Of course, they're up against the Tampa Lightning right off the start. So they're in an uphill battle, but they have to perform being, you know, sort of the storied franchise in the largest Canadian market. The pressure is on for the Maple Leafs to actually do something this year. But no matter where you look, there are great storylines to follow in the playoffs this offseason. And if you haven't had a chance to check out NHL playoff hockey, I'm going to encourage you to do it you will not be disappointed okay well as the nhl heads into the playoffs again everybody else is winding down and looking to the offseason coming up right after this break we're going to visit with crush favorite barry butt the founder of premier strength to talk about developing performance for the game of hockey what you should be thinking about this offseason regardless of what level you're at it's going to be a great performance conversation and it's right after this on crush performance the crush blog podcasts twitter and facebook links at crushperformance.com now back to the show welcome back to crush performance everybody i am jeff crushell hey if you're looking for some help if you have some questions you want answered if you have an idea for the show we may dedicate a segment even an entire episode to your idea right to us info at crush performance is the email you can follow me on twitter at jeff crush 
and on all other social media platforms. Reach out, crushperformance.com. We'll connect there for sure. Okay, well, a very important discussion here. As we just talked about, the NHL playoffs are underway. There is nothing better in all of sport, in my humble opinion. It's a sports fan's dream. Fast and furious, hard hitting, the intensity, the urgency. There's nothing quite like it in all of sport. Check it out if you haven't had a chance to check out the NHL playoffs. I'm going to encourage you to just have a look. It is so much fun. While the NHL playoffs are getting underway, the rest of the hockey world is heading into their offseason. One of the most important times of the year, regardless of what age you're at. Handling your offseason properly is critical. And here to talk to us about exactly that is our good friend, Barry Butt, Crush Favorite, the founder of Premier Strength. Barry, thanks for joining us. I know it's a very busy time as you guys get your offseason underway, but I'm uh, so glad you could join us for this important conversation. Oh, I appreciate it, Jeff. Thank you very much. It's been a long time since we've uh, got to do this, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. There's so much to talk about here and catch up. It's a very exciting time as the NHL heads into the playoffs. The rest of the hockey world is looking to the offseason, Barry, and that's where you guys really play a big role. Hey, let's talk a bit about Premier Strength and your history. You guys have been around a long time. And, and I'll say this, influencing the game, man, in a really good way. You guys have done some great work over there. So so maybe, maybe just for our listeners, uh, maybe give a little background, how you got into this and, and how long you've been at it. Sure. Yeah, interesting. I've been in it a long time. It's an interesting story how it got started. I, I want to say we are going into our 23rd year um, of training athletes. So, um, you know, I'm a small town kid from Northern Alberta. If you'd have told me, you know, 25, 30 years ago, this is what I was going to be doing for a living. I'd have laughed at you <laughs> because uh, I didn't see, I mean, it wasn't, you know, back then it was, I, I was an athlete. I played every sport under the sun as you do when you grow up in a small town and um, you know, good enough to be, uh, you know, have fun at it and have a little success at it at, at every sport, but not good enough to really take any of them to the next level, which was fine with me. Um, I loved it, loved playing sports, loved being an athlete. So it was always going to be something that I, that I was going to do. And I mean, obviously back then it was always, Hey, I'm probably just going to be a ed teacher. And I don't say just a ed teacher, but that was kind of the direction. Right. And then once I got into university and started looking into you know, the performance side of things a little bit and, um, you know, just kind of seeing how the, the theory applied and, and how I could make myself better as an athlete. I just fell in love with it. And, uh, you know, right time for me. I mean, I started, I graduated in 97. So at that time, strength and conditioning was in its infancy, really. Like there wasn't, uh, there wasn't a ton of guys out there training athletes. Most teams didn't have strength coaches back then. And it was really just getting going. So I kind of, you know, came in at the right time, um, especially here in Edmonton. There was only two or three guys at the time training athletes. And, um, you know, I got very fortunate to get a position at uh, McEwen University and uh, started working with their teams there and training those athletes uh, across every sport and uh, just kind of, you know, developed a, a system and learned a lot in, in that setting and in that scenario. We're working with, you know, a bunch of different athletes, not just hockey players. And then, of course, being you know, in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, hockey's the the thing, right? Like it evolved into, 
um, really focusing on hockey athletes because that's who we have here. We have hockey athletes and, and, and you know, we, we work with a number of other athletes over the years, but uh, much smaller scale than our hockey program. And like you said, our focus is in the off season. It's, uh, you know, generally April to September when uh, they're supposed to be away from their game and, and really trying to develop and, 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 you know, build physically, get faster, get bigger, get stronger so that when they go back on the ice, they can transfer all that into their game and be, you know, be better at it. I love it, Barry. Hey, if you guys want to check out Barry's stuff, go to premierstrength.com. All the information is there. It's fantastic stuff. A very great, very cool story, Barry. You know, I, I, we're almost on the same track. I'm from small town, Alberta as well. I went to university of Calgary, you know, and, and uh, people who listen to the show know my story. You know, I was volunteering or working at the Olympic training center, university of Calgary, and we would, you know, sort of, um, help out the international teams when there was bobsled or skeleton or the Alpine sports even. And there was a time, and I think it was my second year, I was working at the Olympic training center and there was a world cup bobsled competition. And I was, in charge of three or four teams, but Austria came in one day, I think it was about 10 days before the event and they were doing a power day. Right. And so they said, Hey Jeff, we need some power. We need some plyo boxes. I said, okay. Yeah. What do you think? like 24, 36. What are you thinking? No, no, five, five <laughs> feet, six feet. I'm going, what? Yes. What are you, ta- what are you talking about, man? Hey, listen, so yeah. I, we didn't have any like that. I went down to the gymnastic center and got some, you know, some beams and some vaults and stuff. We piled them up and actually got these sturdy boxes from the gymnastic center up on the, Jack Simpson track and they are warming up and I'm just standing there watching, enjoying it as a kid, loving sport again, much like you looking, getting exposed to that other side of human performance. It it changed my path as well. This was the event though, man, for me, this was the TSN turning point. They started warming up and going, what in the world are they? They can't be jumping off of these boxes. They're going to blow their freaking knees and their backs. No, no, that wasn't their intention at all. And they're, they're a couple of these guys are giant. They could be like linebackers in the NFL, right? So yep. their brake man was the first guy to go get some warmed up and they're ready to go. And he stands up about a foot from the box. And they kind of do like, you know, like a haka dance, like the all blacks, so, you know, they're screaming, yelling, cheering. This guy jumps up, boom, floats up, lands on top of the box, like freaking Spider-Man. And I just go, what in the hell just <laughs> happened, man? Are you kidding me? I went yeah. down to the administration office right at that. I think it was the next day. And I changed my degree from physical education to exercise, phys and psychology. It was just incredible, man. But I love it. Very, yeah, great that's exactly story. what I did. Yeah, man. Great yeah. story. Yeah. I, I resonates with me. But I, but I love the idea, though, of, of getting involved in, and being in the industry that long. Barry, you've seen it all. Right. And you're right. That was the infancy of it. Uh, you know, one of the things that I guess we've lived through together collectively is society, but, you know, in the strength time, one of the biggest challenges is this COVID madness we've just been through, right? And and boy, taking that on at the start, what a massive curveball. And, and, you know, in hindsight, I look back and I'm wondering, did we handle it right? Did we not handle it right? We adjusted fairly good, but what a challenging time that was for athletes and everybody involved. Absolutely, it was. It was extremely challenging, but you know what? I think I think we handled it right. Uh, in our area with our athletes. And I think we had success with it because of the way we handled it. I think a couple of things happened. It was, uh, it, it was, it's hard with hockey players to get them off the ice and get them away from hockey. And, um, they need to, I mean, with any sport, any sport, I mean, you can't, you're in baseball. You can, you imagine a pitcher pitching year round every single day yet our hockey players skate just about every day year round. And, um, 
we need to get them away from it at some point. It's hard to uh, in some scenarios because they're trying to make teams or, or whatnot and camps are running in the spring and then again in the fall. And, and it's, and it's really, really challenging. Like even we talked about earlier this year, you know, they're, they're having a world junior championship in August. And these kids are going to try and play in the NHL next year. And most of them are going to play hockey till the end of June because they're playing the WHL, the OHL, the Q. Uh, when do they get off the ice? When do they get downtime? It's going to be a month at best. And, and I think we're going to see a lot of issues because of it. But what happened with COVID was the arenas were all closed. And at a, there was a time period where the arenas were closed. They couldn't do large group stuff, but we could do small stuff in the gym. So we had all these athletes in the gym training every day and nothing else pulling them in other directions. So they were able to fully recover. They were able to rest the muscles that needed to be rested from hockey and they were able to actually develop. And we would see like a lot of our athletes during our training season, we're dealing with little tweaks because they're still on the ice playing and practicing and and things are getting tweaked. But we never saw that during COVID. They're in the gym. That's all they're doing. They're training. They're not doing other stuff. So they they just kept getting better and better and better and better and developing and developing and developing, putting on the muscle muscle that they needed to put on. You know, you get some of these small athletes that are trying to put weight on, but they're skating every day and they're just doing too much and they can't eat enough food to keep up with it. And they never put the weight on it. We saw guys put on 20 pounds, 30 pounds when they needed to get faster, get more explosive, get stronger and just develop. And then lo and behold, they went back on the ice. Guess what? They never forgot how to skate. (laughs) They were actually (laughs) better. What are you talking about? What do you mean they never forgot? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They were actually better. Most of them were actually better. Now that's the huge takeaway that we keep talking about in our gym was look at how much development we had from some of our athletes. And we, I mean, we had a bunch of kids drafted last summer and that was the group that really got to develop. And there was a couple of kids in that group that I don't think we're going to, anybody had them going as high as they did. And they came from out of nowhere. Now, always been good hockey players and always been good athletes, but maybe it was that little bit of development that they got where they got to actually get a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger that might've put them over the top. Hard to know, hard to know if it would have, you know, in a normal year, maybe everything would have happened the same way, but, but we just, um, we saw, a lot more healthy athletes and a lot of athletes achieve the things that they want to achieve off the ice to make them better on the ice because they got a break from their sport. Um, you know, maybe it was a little bit too long of a break, but it was a break nonetheless. So, you know, I think a, a big lesson to learn from that is, you know, plan breaks, you know, plan a downtime. And, and I'm not talking a day or two from off the ice. I'm talking a month, like get away from the sport for a while and focus on training. And, you know, we see when, with our athletes, the ones that do that, they see huge development, huge development. And um, it's hard to do that. Though. It's really hard to convince the athlete. It's hard to convince the parents that they need to to get away from their sport for a little while and uh, and focus on development and focus on training and then get back to it. And they'll be even better. And until they until they do it and see it, they don't they don't believe it. And it's it's interesting to me because years ago when I started in this business, my high end guys, my high end junior guys and high end pro guys, they would finish playing hockey in March, April, and they wouldn't get on, put their skates on until July at best. And then they'd you know, they'd be great. They'd develop, they'd be better for it. They'd be healthier for it. They, you know, all their injuries would, would go away. Um, now we see, you know, if, if a kid gets off the ice for two weeks, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a long time. 
people start panicking, right? I mean, even just in a short time. No, I love it. We're talking with Barry Butt, founder of Premier Strength. No, great stuff. I think there is a lot to learn, Barry, looking back in hindsight on the COVID madness. You know, at the very start of it, just as we started realizing how serious this thing was going to be with the global shutdown, who would have ever imagined that sport at every single level would have been shut down? Just insanity, right? But um, we quickly adapted. We had a two-part series early on, Barry, called The Kids of COVID. And part of it was looking at just everyday kids, high school kids, you know, it was geared towards that sort of high school college kid that are, you know, in those critical times of life, you know, high schools, you know, grade 12 being you know one of those sort of, you know, coming of age type events and times in, in a, in a kid's life that was gone, like absolutely gone for yeah. the athletes of that age. What an opportunity miss, no competitions, you know, but for the kids, no dances, you know, no getting together, no getting out, no graduations, like real graduations, you know, and, and my daughter was actually on the show because uh, I wanted her to talk about uh, her, her issues, you know, being in grade 12 that year and seeing her slip into depression because they were looking forward to, you know, the ski trip and the, the, the Halloween dance and the Thanksgiving dinner and all these things that were supposed to happen that never did. Uh, for the regular kids, man, it was a challenge out there. And, and we know we're not alone, but, you know, that Kids of COVID uh, series that we did really, Sean, kind of a, a focus on on the trials that the young people were going through. Yeah, we saw it too. Like we saw it with a lot of our athletes. Like you mentioned that age group, that 03 age group, the kids that were in grade 12 and how many of them, you know, were missed out on an opportunity. I think the more elite ones, not a big deal. Like it, 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 you know, it was sad that they were away from family or away from their friends and away from their sport and things like that. And you saw a lot of, you know, a lot of kids get a little bit down, a little bit depressed. And we saw that in the gym too, but at least they had this to come to in, in most cases. I mean, there was a period of time we were shut down here and we were trying to give them stuff to do at home and, and just try and kind of keep them going. But, but you're right with a lot of the regular kids and my son, was in the same boat um you know kind of needed that year of hockey to be around his buddies and develop and get a little bit better and have that dream of maybe going on to play junior hockey and and kind of had that taken away from them and it was uh, it was pretty sad like it really was it was sad to see uh to see these kids just lose out on what you said was like a pivotal time in their lives and something that i mean i remember being that age and greatest time of your life when you're going to graduate high school it's uh you know i still say that that that's the biggest accomplishment i think i ever did in my life and i graduated university to me university didn't feel as it it was like you're an adult you can deal with it but finishing high school was just like man that was 12 years of my life and it was awesome and you kind of had this closure and uh and these guys didn't get that and it's um you know it was it was pretty frustrating and sad for a lot of them and and even in their sports they didn't get that they didn't get to graduate from from midget hockey or from midget baseball or whatever it might have been and it's uh you know they they missed out on a lot and and but i think some of them took advantage of it and you know maybe it made them stronger but i you know, I think others that struggled with it. Yeah, for sure. And you know, one of the, you're, you're so right. You know, one of the conversations we had in that series talking with some, you know, developmental experts and, and psychologists out there. But uh, one of the concepts that came up early on here is the hidden opportunity that might be before us. You know, everybody was focusing on how terrible this thing was and everything we were losing. There's very few people actually looking at maybe the hidden opportunity. Mm -hmm. And we actually talked about this extensively on the show early on, trying to get people encouraged about this downtime and this time away from sport unprecedented, right? As you were mentioning with your hockey players to actually be away from the game and away from the ice for that period of time. 
And, you know, talking to one of the uh, professors at the University of Alberta, um, he, he called it something that really resonated with, with me and everybody over here. He called it the, the, the technical COVID technical advantage. If coaches and teams and organizations, parents and athletes really look at the time they have and use it constructively to focus on maybe areas of potential development for each athlete individually. Oh my goodness. Could we see a massive spike of skill on the other side of this COVID, which is what we're kind of watching now. And you kind of mentioned it with your guys, right? You saw a massive spike in their ability to play the game. And yet they weren't actually doing what we would do in the ebb and flow of an average year. Yep. No, you're hundred percent right. And it, it's uh it gave us an opportunity, like you said, to really, we had a, we had a big period of time with them was the other thing that we had. Normally we get a pretty short period of time with our athletes. And usually what we see is by the time we actually start making progress and making changes, because it takes time to adapt, it's time to go back and play their sport. And this, uh, during that period of time with COVID, we didn't, we, we got them longer. We're like, Hey, they're, they're supposed to be going back to their game now. And their game's not starting until another two, three months, man, what can we do with them? How can we keep developing? And we just kept building and building and building. And, and you're right. We saw a lot of skill. We saw guys that, that, that needed speed, get speed. We saw guys that needed size, get size. And, and then, and then their individual skills. And I think with, with hockey in particular, a lot of their individual skills changed because they weren't, they were allowed on the ice during times, but they were, but it was all small. It was two, three people at a time. And it was working on your individual skills versus working on team play and things like that. So I think, uh, you know, a lot of them got their development there as well. Yeah. No, interesting, really interesting. And, and I like the idea, like you said, you know, the, to hear how some of your guys that really weren't quite on the radar actually were there. And again, you're right. It's difficult to tell what would have happened either way, but, but regardless, you know, I, I'm really, watching across and we're seeing it in the baseball world the guys i work with across the board uh we're seeing it also with some of our hockey guys and football guys there's this huge bounce back i'm hoping as you mentioned earlier we don't undo everything that we've gained with these crazy schedules that are coming up like you mentioned these kids are going to be playing the junior kids are going to be playing till june world juniors happen in august training camps aren't going to change NHL pro training camps are going to be late August, early September. So now we've got this unbelievable, massively condensed schedule coming up. Could we be heading into trouble? Well, I hope we built enough resiliency during Uh, that time where we got to train a lot more that, that, that most of them will overcome it. I, I, that's, that's my hope. And I, I mean, I can only speak for the athletes that I have. Some of the guys that I, that I'm working with that are going to play on that world junior team, maybe even go to the Memorial cup and then possibly be in the NHL next year. <laughs> you, they don't get a lot of downtime. Yeah. And, but you know, the ones that I, that I know well, they're pretty resilient. They're pretty good athletes. They're very strong. They've, you know, they, they put in the work when they had their downtime. It wasn't, uh, you know, for them, it wasn't, you know, we had downtime. Let's just sit around and play video games. It was okay. Time to time to work on other things now. And they did that and they put in that time. So, you know, hopefully that resilience that they built up, uh, will get them through and, and keep them healthy. But it's, uh, it's a scary time when, when there's going to be that much hockey going on. I mean, just, you know, it seems to me that they're just trying to make up for everything that, uh, that, that didn't happen. And I get it, man. I love the world juniors, my favorite tournament in the ever. Like, yeah. There's nothing better. I'd, I'd, I'd take the world juniors over Stanley cup playoffs over anything. I absolutely love it. Have forever. 
but uh, it's, I don't know that they need to be doing it in August. Yeah. <laughs> so and anyway, that's, that's another story. I'm looking yeah. forward to it, but, but it's, uh, it's uh, hopefully, hopefully it doesn't hurt a lot of these kids. Right. And if we truly stick to the principles of sport performance and human development, this wouldn't be happening. We'd have to take a real step back and see what's best for these players. This might be good for the game, but it's not, I don't think it's going to be great for these players. So, you know, that brings us to the conversation of process. And, and again, everybody, we're talking with Barry, Bud, the founder of premier strength, you could check out their great information at premierstrength.com. Barry, listen, athlete development is a process. It's a long game for sure. We talk about these, this incredible condensed schedule coming up. That is pure athlete management. This is where it's going to play a big, big role, but it's a long game, right? And I think sometimes people lose sight of the long game of development, because if we look at, you know, the young kids are heading into their off season, U12, and I actually like to break down, let's talk about the individual age groups, but you got the U15s, U18s, then we got our pros and older guys who are in the high performance pipeline. Um, you know, I think the one thing, regardless of the age group, is we've really got to step back and understand there's a ebb and flow and a process, and it's a long game, right? It is a long game. Absolutely, it's a long game. It's, uh, you know, if you take the 12-year-olds and you you look at them or the U12s and you look at them and it's what is it we want to develop with them and, and figure that out at that point so that they're ready to do what needs to be done when they are now U15s. Then what do the U15s need to be need to develop and be ready to do when they're U17, U18 and so forth. And it's a long process. We can't take a, a U12 athlete and start training them like a U18 athlete. He doesn't, he, there's so much more that they need to develop. And in my opinion, until you're 14 years old or so, you should be just playing every sport under the sun. And, and I mean, I'll tell parents that, I mean, I, I've, people will call me and be like, Hey, I want to get my son into train with you. And then, you know, they're, they're under 12 years old. My response to them every single time is go play other sports, go play soccer, go play baseball, go play lacrosse, go play other sports, get out there and develop your athletic ability, play volleyball, play basketball. I mean, I tell everybody that'll listen to me that volleyball is the best sport you can play to develop athleticism. And people are like, you got me crazy. And I'm like, you look at the guys that are good at volleyball that can actually play the game. The athleticism they have is incredible. And I saw it firsthand. I mentioned earlier training the athletes at McEwen. I mean, back in the early 2000s, these guys never got to do any kind of training in high school. It wasn't a thing back then. Um, they'd come to me at McEwen and that would be their first exposure to getting in the weight room and, and, and lifting weights and doing that. And the volleyball players, the kids who played volleyball, picked things up unbelievably well. Their mobility was phenomenal. And, and we're talking like seven foot tall guys in some cases that could squat perfect. It can do a clean. They could just develop, learn this stuff and pick it up really, really quick. And that wasn't because they were training. It was because they were playing sports and doing other sports that, that got them moving in, in all kinds of different manners, jumping, rolling, diving, um, sprinting, whatever it is that they would do. And, and we see that across the board. And I'm not just talking hockey players. I think every athlete should play other sports. And you, you see it a lot with the U.S. kids, right? You get kids that could be MLB players. They could be basketball players. They could be football players because they grow up playing those sports. And unfortunately, what happens with a lot of our hockey players here in Canada is we just play hockey. And we play it year round and we don't develop some athleticism. And that's a big part of our program. Like with our young guys, this is the young kids that we have would be, um, you know, kind of like first year Bantam kids. So it'd be first year U15 kids. We spend the majority of our time 
doing speed and agility work with them, running, jumping, things like that, and getting them moving, things that they maybe miss out on a little bit from just playing hockey if they didn't, didn't play other sports. So I think at that age, very important to develop skills, develop all this this literacy, this this movement literacy, this athletic literacy, and get better at just moving in all kinds of different directions, running, jumping, like I said. And as they get older, we can start you know, focusing a little bit more on some specific stuff, like getting them stronger, putting on muscle mass and so forth. Oh, you are preaching to the choir, my friend, preaching to the choir. That is right out of our playbook. I love it. I love it. Hey, everybody, we have to cut out for a quick break. When we come back, let's continue this discussion. Let's look at what players at different levels should be focusing on this offseason because it's not the same for everybody. Stick around. Lots more with Barry Butt from Premier Strength right after this on Crush Performance. If you have any performance questions, comments, or smart remarks, text Crusher at 10-12-60 and follow him on Twitter at Jeff Crush. Now, here he is, the Crusher. All right, welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Crushell. Hey, if you want to reach out to us, check out the new website, jeffkershell.com. You can get all the connections there for sure. If you have any questions on today's show or if you're looking for some help with your off-season program, write us right now, info at Crush Performance. We are talking off-season hockey with our good friend Barry Butt, founder of Premier Strength. Barry, thanks for hanging on over the break. Hey, listen, I wanted to get into the conversation about off-season hockey for the different age groups. I wanted to start off with that, you know, younger player, that U12 type player, but you kind of answered it already. And I, I love it, man. Get out there and play other sports. Maybe pick up a hockey camp for fun with your buddies, for sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, go for a Absolutely. weekend or a four-day camp or whatever, but get off the ice. I love that. U15 now, a little more serious. U15 is kind of that that age group where kids are starting to decide okay yeah maybe I like football and hockey or volleyball and hockey they might narrow be narrowing their scope a little bit and maybe starting to chase down that high performance pathway where other kids who hopefully are just loving sport going to play recreation and you know they might be focusing on on engineering or chemistry or whatever it is they they pursue but in the sporting world that U15 is not a bad time Nope. Start helping your young athlete decide, hey, which direction you want to go, because there's a point where you have to realize as well, as much as we really do preach and we're with you 100 percent, man, multiple sports, multiple sports. There's a time where, you know, playing multiple sports uh, maybe isn't realistic time wise or even financially at some point. Right. Yep. Yep, 100%. And that's exactly when you start doing it. When you're U15, you start, like you said, narrowing it in on one or two sports and, uh, you know, and and maybe focusing on something. And that's when you start to get into the gym and start to come see guys like us. And, um, you know, the one warning that I would give all the athletes and all the parents that are in that U15 group is don't expect miracles. The kids are still young. They're, uh, you know, you, you get you get a kid that's coming in thinking and a lot of times thinking that, hey, we're, you know, they're going to go do this training program for the next, you know, three, four months and he's going to come out. 20, 30 pounds heavier and just muscle bound and super fast and go out there and dominate really hard to do with a lot of kids at that age. The the focus is more on teaching them how to move better, uh, making them a little bit faster, um, getting a little bit more explosive and, and just increasing mobility, preventing injuries, things like that. And it's not until they, they really hit puberty and they have lots of hormones when they're 16, 17, 18, that we can really predict uh, changes in size, changes in muscle mass, changes in, in speed. Um, at the U15 level, it's still a lot of uh, development and a lot of teaching. And, and, and some kids, there's no question 
they see these huge massive changes and others don't and that's usually a hormone thing usually a puberty thing and uh, and we see these changes because we'll get kids that we'll have in the gym with us all summer won't really change a whole lot they'll definitely get a lot better they move better they run better they jump better they you know they just do everything better and that translates to the ice but when you look at them physically maybe not a lot of changes happen then they come back to us next summer and all of a sudden they're 30 pounds heavier and four (laughs) inches taller and they didn't even spend any time in the gym who is this monster (laughs) right yeah so then that's just stuff that's out of your control it's less predictable but when they're a little bit older uh the u18 kids now it's predictable now we can you know, now we can, you know, monitor change a little bit better and, and actually um, have some influence on what that change is going to be. Yep. Barry, I really like that, guys. And we're talking with Barry Budd, founder of Premier Strength. Again, premierstrength.com is the website. Check out all their great information there. I love this concept. You know, uh, again, talk about preaching to the choir. You know, your U15, 16, 17, you know, players who are you know, still go, maybe going through puberty. I love the idea of what you guys do, the movement, the speed, the agility, you know, the tactile kind of stuff, because, you know, a lot of, a lot of programs and a lot of parents want to focus on building muscle mass and getting super strong. And I've often said, you know, to these parents who maybe don't understand the ebb and flow or the process, say, I just simply say to them, Hey, look, Okay, let's say we take, you know, um, Johnny, little Johnny or whatever it is, and we get him as strong as possible over the course of this offseason, which could be great. But then what do you have at the end of the day? Now you've got a great, strong hockey player who can't move that well. I love the Mm. idea of spending those critical years teaching them how to move. And like you said, when they get 17, 18, 19, and they're ready for that strength and ready to maybe even apply that strength, now you've got a great mover who can use those assets and use this new superpower they're going to develop later, later on in their development, right? Yeah, 100%. And don't get me wrong, we make guys strong, but not at not at all costs. Our guys are strong, right? <laughs> They're super strong, yeah. but, the, but w- they are athletes and it, it always has to be with movement in mind and with transfer to the sport in mind. Um, so we have standards that we, that we try to accomplish with our guys. We have standards for our, um, you know, kind of like key performance indicators for our U15 kids, actually more for kind of like the 14 to 16 year olds. And then we have key performance indicators. And a lot of those key performance indicators are strength-based you know, what, what should they be able to squat? What should they be able to bench press relative to their body weight? Um, things like that. How much power should they be able to, to develop? We do, we do velocity based training with our guys. So we actually measure bar speed and things like that. So there's certain things where we're looking at power, certain things where we're looking at strength. Speed is a huge thing for us. We run, uh, well, we run twenties with our guys. We measure their five meter, their 10 meter and their 20 meter times to see where they're good. Is it acceleration? Is it top end speed? And we make adjustments based off that and those are the things that we're trying to accomplish um i get the question all the time with you know we get these kids afraid to put on weight and afraid to put on size because they think they're going to get slower it's completely the opposite are you you, nobody's afraid to put a bigger engine in their car thinking their car is going to go slower with a bigger engine it's going to go faster and that's kind of what we try to do with our athletes too if they're getting bigger they're getting faster there's there's no doubt about it the fastest athlete i ever had was 220 pounds running the, as fast as he ever ran. And it's, it's not these 180, 160 pound guys aren't the fastest guys in our gym. It's the big guys. They're the fastest guys in our gym because when we do the training, 
the focus is if you're if the focus is to put on more size it's to make you faster at that size so that then you know you're just scary at that point because you're on the ice you're now 210 215 pounds i'm talking you know our pro guys and our high-end junior guys and they're super fast at that at that size and they're they're hard to handle hard to deal with but at no point do we ever try to put size on an athlete or even strength on an athlete without it being able to transfer? Yeah, I love it. And that right there is a powerful thing for parents, athletes, coaches to know it because we've seen disasters out there. We've seen non-functional size, non-functional strength really, really lower the ceiling of potential for, for a lot of athletes. And that's why it's got to be done right. And it kind of comes back to that whole concept we've been sort of, you know, talking about here in, in a, uh, um, alluding to is the idea of the long game. You're talking about your older pro guys and your major junior guys. Um, That's the result of quite a process. And you've had guys with you for many years. And, and those are the guys you really can sink your teeth into aren't they? Absolutely. They are. And and it's, and it's, it's a commitment. I mean, it's a, I, you know, I praise their parents for it because they make a commitment and then they stick to that commitment for a number of years and they see what's going to happen. They don't get caught up in the, in the moment. Right. And, and being like, well, you know, the change that we thought would happen didn't happen. Let's go somewhere else and try something else and see if this person could do it. And that person could do it. And I mean, I'll tell you, as strength coaches in this small community in Edmonton, we all know each other. We all communicate with each other. And there's quite often where an athlete will be with me and then he'll go somewhere else. And that coach will call me and be like, okay, you know, help me out here because you had them last summer. What, you know, what did you do with them so I can help continue the process? So even if they go somewhere else, especially with me, because I've been around a long time and I know everybody quite often, I'm still answering those questions and helping with the process. Right. So um, what we see a lot of times is the kids that stick with us and just kind of, you know, realize that it is a process. They see the changes and it just takes time. Um, you know, we, I mentioned earlier, we had four kids drafted last year um, in, in the NHL draft that all started training with us when they were like 12, 13 years old. And the process was unbelievable to watch with those kids and just see them grow up and see them develop. Uh, I do these exit pictures every year with my athletes. And when you look back at, you know, five, six years of exit pictures and you just see the development in these athletes just in a snapshot. It's unbelievable to, uh, you know, to look at. And then when we look at their numbers, I mean, we, we do the same speed and agility testing, jump testing with our 13 year olds as we do with our pros. So it's, so we get to see those numbers over a lifetime and just to see the changes that happen with these kids and, and the ones that stick with it, they really, really, really get the results and see the results. And it's, it's a process. It really is a process. It's nothing's going to happen short term. You know, if you think you're going to go to any trainer for one summer of your life and, and, and get all the development you need, you're sadly mistaken. It takes time. Yep. It really, really does. We're talking with Barry Butt, founder of Premier Strength. Barry, that is such a great conversation, man. I'm glad we're having this at this time of the year as we're heading into the off season for parents and players out there who are trying to maybe get an idea of what this whole monster looks like of development, especially for those kids that love the game, right? I mean, you know, you talk about your pros and you guys are attacking them pretty individually, but you've got a great training environment over there where your younger players are, they're, they're, they're integrating with some of your pro guys and you know they're all working together encouraging each other i love the scene you've developed man i think it really resonates uh and helps those younger players see what can happen over time right 
Absolutely. It's a culture. Like we, we say that all the time with us, it's a culture in here and it, and it really is the, the, you know, the guys love it. We'll see it all the time. We have a, we have, we're pretty fortunate with the facility we have and we come into it just for four months of the year. It's a curling rink the rest of the year and it's massive. It's 20,000 square feet. We've got a 40 meter track. We've got all the weight room equipment you could possibly need. We've got a 5,000 square foot turf area. And the beauty of it is we've got about a two, 3,000 square foot shooting area. And that that's the area that builds the culture in our gym. You will see NHL players over there passing pucks with 14 year olds and, and working on one timers and, and it's totally unstructured and that's the beauty of it. We don't do any, any, we don't bring a, a shooting expert in. We don't do any of that. We just let them play and they just go over there and play. And all of a sudden a ball hockey game will break out and you'll have a, you know, a 25 year old NHL guy playing ball hockey with a 14 year old. Like it's, it's awesome. It really is. It's a lot of fun. And now, I mean, they don't always get to interact with each other because the older guys generally train earlier in the day, but there's every now and then there's, there's times we'll see our, you know, our older guys might have an appointment in the morning and they want to come in and train in the afternoon. And I bring them in and, you know, they're here with the, with the, with the 15, 16 year olds and they interact with them just like they do with their pro guys in the morning. It's, it's fun. It's awesome. It's uh it's a good culture to, to be around and it's good to see. And that's, and that's hockey in general. I mean, it, you see it all the time, right? You go to an NHL game and the pro guys are interacting with the fans, throwing them pucks and stuff like that. They're just kids as well. And they, and they do that in every environment. I mean, they're, they're, uh, you know, they, they want to support each other, whether it's a, you know, a pro supporting a young kid or a junior guy supporting a young kid or whatnot. They all support each other and they all want to see each other get better. Yeah. Fantastic stuff, Barry. No, really, really great conversation, man. And very timely this, this part of the year. And, you know, you mentioned your sort of home base in Edmonton, Alberta, up in Canada. Um, you know, if there was ever a hotbed of hockey, you know, you might look at Finland, you might look at Sweden, you know, you talk about Canada sort of maybe being where, where everybody's looking right when it comes to hockey, but inside of Canada, there's a few places that generate uh, hockey talent, but Edmonton, man, there's something special about that environment. I don't know if it goes back to the, the Oilers dynasty, but you look at some of the three on three tournaments that happen here for the pros. And eventually, you know, it, it, it's like, it's like, at times a center of the hockey universe, the talent that comes out of this area. Oh, it is. It's awesome. It's, I mean, you can go watch like that three on three league that they run here in the summer that got started because of COVID basically, um, which was another thing that was a huge advantage of, of that time frame. Um, you know, the, the guys weren't playing and when they finally got to get back on the ice, you know, a couple of guys here in town, did a great job of, of developing a league and, and, and ran it again last summer. And the, and the boys love it. The, the pros, the juniors get to play with each other and uh, you know, in a fun environment, but there's lots of them. There's so many good athletes around here. So many good hockey players. I mean, you know, I look around and, and all these other gyms in town that are training athletes and they have a ton of great athletes. We have a ton of great athletes here. It's just a great city for, for hockey and for, for development and, uh, you know, there's, there's other people out there other than myself to do a great job too of developing these athletes and helping them get better. And, and there's lots of them and they're, and it's, it's a hotbed. There's no question about it. And why? I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, it helps that we've got an arena on every street corner, but uh, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a good time here in Edmonton right now with our, with our athletes. There's uh, 
you know, there's lots of local kids drafted last year. There's going to be a number again this year. There was quite a few the year before. It's just been a, you know, a really, really good, strong crop of, uh, of athletes coming out of here. And I think it's, it's a lot of it has to do with, like you said, the Oilers is, is, you know, they help a lot for sure. And they, they get involved in the community, but I just think it's a, it's a pretty small tight knit community. And a lot of people support each other. Like, it's interesting to me when these kids walk into the gym, they come from different clubs and different organizations, but they all know each other. Um, you know, they're all friends. They all played spring hockey or they played on a, um, you know, hockey Alberta team together or something like that. And they're all, you know, it's a small tight knit community and they all support each other. And I think that's really good because it just pulls guys along. Right. And it, it helps, it helps everybody develop. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it comes back to that whole, uh, idea of culture you were talking about. I think there's a credible, a credible hockey culture in Canada, but then there's, there's just those special pockets. And I think that North central Alberta is a real special place to be. And again, you guys are part of it. You guys at premier strength are a huge, huge part of it. Been there for, you know, over 20 years. And that's a huge influence. Barry, listen to me, man. What a great conversation today as such t- so timely as we head into the off season here. Uh, we're going to share it with every hockey family we know and agency as well, because we know uh, this conversation needs to happen more often. You know, the ebb and flow, in the long game very listen thanks for today my friend good luck as we head into the off season and we're going to be watching your guys with great interest as we uh, go through what's going to be an action-packed hockey summer and fall here yeah it's going to be fun i'm looking forward to it as much as i say uh you know i'd like to see these guys get off the ice and be in the gym training right now i mean it, they they're they're here to play their sport and it's you know i'm looking forward to the stanley cup playoffs looking forward to the world juniors this summer and uh, it's going to be fun to watch it's going to be awesome but i appreciate your time jeff uh, anytime uh, you want to have me on i could talk about this stuff all day long <laughs> i love it man hey be careful what you wish for <laughs> <laughs> awesome barry excellent man thanks for this all right you're welcome have a good day all right there you go some sage advice and a solid conversation with our good friend barry butt founder of premier strength you can check them out again guys at premierstrength.com. And listen, if you're a hockey player at any level of the game heading into the offseason, these are the kinds of things you need to start thinking about. If you're a parent of a hockey player, if you're a hockey family, you really need to listen to this conversation. Because again, I, I can't get around the fact that, you know, the dropout rates are still rising. The injury rates are still rising despite everything that we know. The greatest opportunity you can give yourself right now is to stay healthy. Again, we're pretty convinced that we're not seeing the best talent at the top. What an incredible opportunity for any player out there who just loves the game. And, you know, you might have heard me say that before. I, 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 I get caught, you know, making comments like that quite often because if you look at the data, it's just right there in front of us. We're not seeing the best talent in sport. One, it's almost cost prohibitive in a lot of areas where maybe the most talented players never get access to play. Number two, the dropout rates, burnout rates are so high. Most of the top talent isn't surviving this incredibly broken development system we have. And number three, if they do happen to last and stay in there, the chances of getting injured are just too high right now because we're just not managing our players right with the greatest of intentions. Like, hey, there's no finger pointing here. We just got to get smarter with how we're managing our athletes year round, our grassroots little duffers right up to our pro guys and make no mistake, despite all of the resources, all the knowledge and all the support the pro players have, the injury rates at the highest level of the game continue to rise. 
not just in hockey, virtually across the sporting landscape. And it's my contention and the belief of a lot of sports scientists out there that these injuries that we're seeing at the highest levels of the game, they're just ticking time bombs that are finally going off, ticking time bombs that were set in motion when these players were 12, 13, 14 years of age. So let's get into it. Let's get into the new age, the proper age of athlete long-term development. And let's really look to the future. I call it the ceiling of potential. Because again, with the greatest of intentions, we want to help our young players, even our pro guys, be really, really good right now. But if you don't understand the consequences of doing something for immediate gratification, you could be setting yourself up for incredible failure. You have to understand what the consequences are going to be a year from now, two years from now, five, six, seven years from now. And that's why I'm always looking to the next offseason when we start a season. I'm always looking to two or three years down the road for a player development. I don't like working with athletes if it's going to be a short, short period of time. I think the the shortest amount of time I would be comfortable actually working with an athlete in a high-performance environment is three months, three months minimum. I think I'd rather have them for three years so we could really, really impact their development. It's kind of like what Barry said with the players in his organization and his programs that have been there since they're 13. They had what, six or seven players drafted last year. And the majority of them have been with him for years and years and years. That's how you make long-term planned progress. You can't jump around from program to program to program. Now, don't get me wrong. As your athlete matures and develops and moves up the ranks, if they chase down that high-performance pathway, yes, there's places they may need to go to get to that next level. Whether it's just being around um, more talented players of his caliber or whether it's being in a place that offers services that maybe aren't available in his hometown, those situations I totally get. But jumping from program to program to program, hoping somebody will, you know, Find that golden nugget or find that magic secret formula. Here's some news for you. It doesn't exist. It does not exist. Now, don't get me wrong. There are programs out there that are way better than others. There's no doubt about it. But if you vet out and look at the programs you're getting involved with, just make sure they serve your purpose, whatever it might be. Be very, very cautious of short-term gains Though we are looking to optimize performance on the short term, but not at the risk of lowering future performance. And it's happening all the time, everywhere we look. So proceed with caution. What a great conversation. I have to thank Barry Butt for that. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Listen, the NHL playoffs are underway. Rock and roll. If there was ever a rock and roll game or sport to watch, it's NHL hockey and nothing better. Nothing better than playoffs. So I hope you get a chance to take it in. If not, try to catch the highlights on the Sporting Channel or on YouTube because, oh my goodness, it is so fun to watch. Even if you're, even if hockey's not your sport, I challenge you just to check it out. You will be hooked. It's fast and furious. I mean, slap shots over 100 miles an hour. These guys are cruising around the ice at speeds in excess of 25 miles an hour, 40 kilometers an hour plus. It's crazy, it's fun, it's fast and furious for sure. And speaking of fast and furious, we are out of time. So that's it for this week, everybody. Get out there, have a great week. Stay safe, get a little better, and remember, we're here to help you think like an athlete. 
Talk to you next week. Goodbye now. Don't forget to ride. This is a Rock Stops Here with Rock Riley Quick Fix on Radio Influence. How many people have you met in your life that are just put on this earth to bring about joy, man, to other people? How many that are truly blessed? There's something about them that are different. Let's see, on my hand, all my years of living, I would say three or four. Tony Dungy is one, the Super Bowl winning coach, Indianapolis Colts. He turned the culture around Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Leroy Selman, the great Leroy Selman, uh, Pro Football Hall of Famer, he's special. There's something just special about him. And my guest today on the Rock Stops here, he's a Major League Baseball player. He was drafted by the Milwaukee Brewers. He was in the Kansas City Royals organization, and now he's an outfielder for the Tampa Bay Rays. His name is Brett Phillips. If you don't know about Brett Phillips, just Google Brett Phillips, little girl with cancer or girl with cancer. Oh, my God. It's on YouTube. You can see the story. I knew about it because I live here. Brett Phillips, besides making it to the top as a Major League Baseball player, he signs autographs and takes pictures with fans and especially kids for at least a half hour before every single game. I got video. Follow me on my social media at Real Rock Riley. Instagram and Twitter or Rock Riley on Facebook. And I'll, I'll, I, I'm posting the, the video, how long the line is. And this is before every game. Outfielder, Tampa Bay Rays, playing in his hometown. He grew up not far from Tropicana Field. And he's just a winner. Wait till you hear this. Brett Phillips. The Rock Stops here with longtime radio and TV personality Rock Riley is found anywhere you find podcasts and RadioInfluence.com.